My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. And um, a couple a couple days ago, we spoke about why you should be a vegan. And I'm very pleased to be joined by my good friend, Prof. Tim Noakes, who's going to talk about why it's probably not a terribly good idea to, to be a vegan. Um, <laughs> morning, Tim. How are you? Jeremy, I'm very well, thanks. Uh, top of the morning to you as well. Um, I'm drinking coffee with cream in it. Yeah. Um, am, am I committing a sin? No, you are now moving in the right direction. <laughs> but the question is, what else are you doing? Your face looks thinner. Uh, I'm just, at the moment, trying to eat fewer carbs and just about no sugar. Oh, well, that's a great start. Yeah. You know, for many people, that's maybe all you need to do. Cereals and grains must go next, and then you'll start really feeling healthy. Well, I mean, I'm sure you'll agree, but this morning I had a nice big bowl of jungle oats with, uh, with syrup on it. Just what you needed, because now you're going to fall asleep in the part of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, I don't, I don't know where to start with this kind of thing. I'm not a scientist. You are. Um, and, we know, I mean, often, often we talk about carbs and so on, but I, I'd like your views on, on veganism. Um, I mean, I know that the, 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 the title is why you shouldn't be a vegan, and I'm sure it's absolutely fine to be a vegan. It's probably just very difficult and requires a huge amount of discipline, not so? Oh, it looks like Tim froze. What's happened to Tim? Did his line just completely freeze? Right as we're about to start, Tim froze. <laughs> let's get let's see if we can get tim back what's happened to tim <laughs> all right uh that was unusual maybe his computer died <laughs> let me just quickly send him a message let's see if he's uh <laughs> um let's me just quickly message him Okay, he's sending me a message. Okay, one sec, folks. One sec. Just trying to get Tim back. Not sure what happened there. Anyway, good morning. How are you? Uh, let's just quickly say good morning to the people in the comments. Uh, Mandy, Battle of Ideas in full swing. Love that you host both sides of the coin. Um, thank you, uh, Mandy. Tim is, says he's live on his screen. Oh, one second. Hmm. Okay. Uh, hang on. Ah, there he is. Okay, let's try that again. Are you? Are you back, Tim? Yeah. That was. I could weird. actually see myself. I was still going strong on this end, but but not on your side. So the that problem, was... I think, was on your side. Oh, okay. Well, sorry about that. I have no idea. This is uh, the nature of... I think someone's trying to stop us. It must be those people who, who tried to take you down, Tim. Uh, <laughs> there are lots of them. <laughs> well, too. okay. So let me just ask my question again, because I'm not sure how much yeah. of it you heard. But I was I was saying that the title of this of this video is Why You Shouldn't Be a Vegan. And of course, that's a, that's a little bit of a sensational title. But... The truth is that it is okay to be a vegan. It's just very difficult and requires huge amounts of discipline. Would you agree with that? 
I think it needs more than discipline. I think you need to really understand your own biology if you're going to do it properly, because let's just get down to some basic facts. Now, right. firstly, I'm absolutely not against anyone what they choose to eat. That is their personal choice. Mm. What I am against is promoting an, a nutritionally deficient diet to young girls who are very susceptible to this information, who may have eating disorders, and they might find that veganism is an amazing solution because it's so restrictive that they can now be in total control of what they're eating. And then mm. the long-term consequences are not known. That's point one point. I'm going to come back to the biology. But secondly, we have not one, I repeat, not one long-term trial of veganism. Not one. What do you mean? So Sorry, when I start, what, what do you mean by not one long-term trial? There's no long-term studies of vegans who are who are put on a randomized controlled trial. They put on a vegan diet, and the control group continues to eat their normal diet, and they followed for 40, 30 years. There are no such data. The, the China study? The only, no, that that is an observational study. Point one, it was funded by the, in, in the International Life Sciences Institute which was part behind my trial, which tries to influence the dietary guidelines in every country, which is so powerful that it influenced the Chinese people to accept that exercise was more important than nutrition in weight control, and that is false. When the Chinese brought out their dietary guidelines, they said it's more important that you exercise than what you eat. And that was driven by Coca-Cola, who's one of the key drivers of the International Life Sciences Institute. So ILSI funded the China study. Mm. It was there to promote the idea that a, an animal-based diet is unhealthy for you. So one has to get behind the scenes what's going on. So, so that, that's the second point. There are no long-term studies. There okay. are observational studies in people like the Seventh-day Adventists who, have, who live a little bit longer. But they live no longer than Mormons who eat meat. So, but those are observational studies. And people who do strange things do many strange things. So uh, vegetarians will tend to be very strict on many things that they do so that they should be healthier. And if they aren't healthier, you have to ask, why not? Is it maybe the diet that's the problem? But, but be that as it may. Let's get back to if veganism was the solution, the world would do it. But less than 1% of the population are vegan, and they rotate very quickly. The usual du duration that a person can be a vegan is about three months, after which they start to feel bad. Initially, they feel fantastic because they get rid of sugar, and they get rid of perhaps some vegetable oils, mm. and too much, well, they won't get rid of carbs, but they start eating proper foods, or they can start eating proper foods, and they feel better, but eventually the problems arise. So if you want to, to read the best book, it's called The Vegetarian Myth. And it's written by Leary Keith, who for 20 years was an out-and-out -out vegan. And she said she got sicker and sicker and sicker. And she couldn't understand it could not be her diet because she'd been told that this is the healthiest diet. Ultimately, she realized it was. She very quickly healed her mental disorders because that's mm -hmm. one of the key problems in vegetarianism and veganism is that they have a higher incidence of of mental problems like depression but we can't say that's because of the diet because it might be that people who are 
more likely to become depressed are more likely to become vegan or vegetarian. So we can't say it's causal. However, that is an observation. Mm. Now, then, and then the other point I'd like to make is that it is illegal. It is a crime to raise a child on a vegan diet. Now, if the vegan diet, it's a crime in a country, if you raise your child from from birth. Ooh. Tim froze again. This is so strange. I wonder what's going on here. Um, hold on one second. Let me just see if I can. Know what's going on here? Why is he freezing? This is so strange. Uh, yeah, one second. I don't know why why he is freezing. This is unusual. Let's just do this quickly. Um. Hold on, I'm just quickly messaging him. Yeah. So strange, so strange. Sorry, Tim, I don't know what's going on. It's one of those it's one of those days. You said yeah, you, no. you <laughs> sorry, let's just let's just push through. But you were saying that it's illegal to raise your kid on a on a on a vegan diet and I said what? <laughs> yeah. So now let's replay rephrase that. To wean your child, wean your child onto a vegan diet, because that child will die, and it is a criminal offence. And there are people who are in jail because they raise their children on really? vegan foods. Yeah, again, sorry, the neonates, the infants. Absolutely. Now you need you're surprised. I am. But why are you surprised? Because the diet is in the. It's not adequate to sustain life. You have to supplement with all sorts of stuff. So let's look at some of the problems. Okay. The firstly is vitamin B12 deficient. Now, a vegan mother who raises a child on a vegan diet, the bre- her breast milk is B12 deficient. Mm. And that B12 is critical to brain function and brain development. That's the first point. Then there are certain essential fatty acids that you need for brain development. And they are very prevalent in animal foods and are absent, essentially absent in, in a vegetarian diet or vegan diet. There is a substitute, but it's not as good and it's difficult. Many people can't convert it. So that's the two things. Then you've got uh, iron deficiency and you've got other vitamin deficiencies. Mm. Now, Lieri Key suffered from osteoporosis, severe osteoporosis. And that's because your vitamin D3 and K2 are present in animal fats, diets with contain animal fats, mm. and they're not present in the proper amounts in a vegetarian diet. So that that's the other factor, that vegetarians have bad teeth and they have bad bones. And that becomes very apparent. And if you go to a dentist, they will tell you immediately who's the veg- vegans and who are the vegetarians because they will notice their teeth deteriorate. Wow. Now, now, if you think back historically, Imagine if humans had eaten a bad diet and they'd got bad teeth. They would have died because there were no no dentists. People don't understand one of the great advances in medicine is dentistry because many of us have uh, uh, dental caries and we would not be alive. We would have infections in our brains, etc., as a consequence of our bad teeth. We don't get that because we have 
we have good uh, dentists. But the point is, before the onset of dentistry, those people would have died. So any diet that cannot sustain your teeth is not a diet for humans. But and so, so sorry, can I, sorry, can yeah. I interrupt you just just before you continue? I, sure. I, I hope you don't mind me interrupting you, because, but I don't want to no, lose a train of yeah, I don't want to lose my th- train of thought. But I get lots of comments um, from people saying, "Yeah, but I've been a vegan for thirty years, and look at me, I've never been to a doctor, or I've been a vegan for for fifteen years, and I feel great, and I go to the gym and all that." What you even see YouTube channels about this? What what about those people? What are they doing right? Well, that, that's a great question, and that's what we need to know. Are they cheating? That's the question. <laughs> Are they cheating? You see that? Because they weren't isolated. You see, if you, if, if you go back to 1920, there was a guy called Viljamar Stefansson who went to the Arctic and lived on meat with the, with the Inuit for 10 years. And that he was 100 years ago. Hey? Yeah. He came back to New York. And he spoke to the experts in New York, and they said, you cannot have lived for 10 years on meat alone. He said, but I did. So this is impossible. So they said, we'll put you on a hospital to prove that you'll be dead in three, in three months' time. So they put him in hospital for three months, and after three months, he was actually healthier than, than when he came back. So, yeah. so and he, I think, I think he went back. I think he went back for oh, six he, months, and, and they, yeah. he, took, he took a journalist with him. That's right, and he wrote many books, mm. and... And he actually brought the high-fat animal diet to New America mm. long before key, before the other guys started on it. Uh, Atkins, Robert Atkins started. So, so that's the point. If these people claim that, that's fantastic. And if they are, they're unique. Because why don't you go to the YouTube videos and look for I'm a recovering vegan and see those stories. There are many more of those stories. So I accept that there may well be some people who can eat a vegan diet and be healthy, but they're the minority. And why are they the minority? Because humans evolved to eat meat. We do not have the guts to digest plant-based foods. Now, that's important. So, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. Just quickly. I need to just quickly yeah. uh, play devil's advocate. But some some people have said humans didn't really eat much meat because they couldn't really find the animals or hunt them so they ate a lot of berries and things and they also didn't cook oh no has tim frozen again at least he's frozen on a on a happy note (laughs) oh no it's just one of those days um sorry sorry we will we will push through we will push through (laughs) we will push through i'm so sorry um <laughs> I'm so sorry Tim it's just it's just one of those days we've we've had it once before remember Yes so anyway so so, so 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 what you just said yes was the most ignorant statement I know you didn't say it but it is the most ignorant statement that I've ever heard on and if people say that they simply don't understand the biology and that's the problem so, so we evolved from primates. We, had a, we shared a common ancestor with gorillas and chimpanzees. And the gorillas and chimpanzees are hindgut fermenters, which means that they ferment plant produce products in the large colon. 
and they they are not able to do it you can no human no mammal on this earth can break down cellulose which is present in plants the only thing that can do it certain bacteria and what the gorillas and the chimpanzees do is they co-opt these bacteria and they give them a lovely spacious large bowel where they can break down the cellulose into saturated fats did you hear that so they take carbohydrates in cellulose and convert it into saturated fat so 70% of the diet of a gorilla when it gets into his blood is saturated fat what humans so we came from that we were also hindgut fermenters if you look at a human today what you observe is that they have a very small large bowel and a very long small bowel and a small bowel is where you digest meat whereas in the large bowel is where you ferment the plant-based foods so we went in the last 2 million years from being hindgut fermenters to small bowel digesters of animal produce we became the most effective killers of animals there has ever been and that was long before guns humans how? evolved this big how we killed them with spears and things and mm-hmm. other techniques and we killed the biggest fattest animals we went for the largest elephants the largest rhinoceroses the no. largest hippopotamuses no you that is the record go and read the record my my great friend mickey door from from israel showed that the the neanderthals died out when they couldn't kill the elephants anymore because the elef- they killed all the elephants within a thousand years of humans getting onto each continent they wiped out all the biggest animals there were massive animals around many thousands of years ago and we wiped them all out for someone to tell you that there were no animals around is ridiculous now here's an example get in your car and drive out to Malmesbury and Marysburg in the western cape and you will see oceans of grains now once upon a time those were covered by herbivores animals that eat grass and the animals that eat grass are the basis of all life on earth because they eat the grass and they convert it into to manure and the manure then allows everything else to grow so and people just don't understand that so go back 15 20 30,000 years ago and the western cape was like the kruger national park now it's barren what happens we took away the animals that keep the other animals surviving and we turned it into a desert right and that's what happens when you convert from an animal based diet to one that is grain based diet you mm. destroy the land and no one tells you that uh, before we continue let me just read your comment um someone whose name is prana i think of prana p r a n a unusual name to make blanket statements tim that any type of diet is good or bad for people is ignorant everyone's body type is different and even different at different times in our lives well that's nonsensical i mean we all are strongly related biologically and our biological systems are very similar Yes they are different I quite agree that some people can metabolize carbohydrates slightly better than others mm. but we know that 80 88% of Americans have metabolic dysfunction and that that they're all the same 88% are unable to metabolize carbohydrate effectively 
And if they're given carbohydrates in excess, they develop type 2 diabetes and all those medical problems. So therefore, 88% are the same. There are 12% who are different. Yes, they can mm. cope with carbohydrates. But the vast majority of humans react the same way to carbohydrates and they react poorly. Uh, so I should say not carbohydrates. Ach, oh, for goodness sake. Uh, here we go again with the frozen, with the frozen food section of today's conversation. All right, while we wait for Tim to come back again, uh, hello, everybody. Lions can't eat veggies, says Daniel. Uh, well, that's true. Lions can't eat veggies. Um, so, yeah, there we go. And uh, Tim is back. Um, sorry, Tim, you were saying. So, so that the lady who who said that she needs mm. to go and, and go and study biology, and then she'd realise that we are much more similar than we are different. All right. Let me, for example, we 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 evolved over all these millions of years into what we are today, and you can't say, oh no, some didn't evolve, and some were designed to eat animal plant, animals, and some were de designed to mm. eat plants. No, that's not true. We we have the same basic structure. We, there are subtle differences, mm. but the basic biology is the same. Tim, okay, I've got some more questions. On, I'm going to throw them at you, if you don't mind. Um, sure. But can we, just, can we just settle one thing here? Are you a shill for some industry like the dairy or meat industry? Are you getting paid? Yeah, well, thank you very much for asking that because I do not get one cent, <laughs> not one cent for what I say or do. Everything that I've ever written, I've invested in trusts. And we formed the Noakes Foundation four or five years ago from the profits of our book, Real Meal Revolution. And I fund the Noakes Foundation as substantially. All our writings that I do, everything that I earn goes into the Noakes Foundation. So I pay over the years millions of rands into the Noakes Foundation. That's my contribution to try to make people healthy. We do not get any money from the dairy board, the meat board, anyone. I'm not a shill. I just do the science. Right. I wish they would give us money so that we could help South Africans eat better. We have the Eat Better South Africa campaign, which is the one that can reverse diabetes in poor communities, but no one takes much notice of it. So, no, right. I make nothing. I give everything I get back to my foundation. Okay, so now that we've got that out the way, Beth um, is saying that she's eating nuts while listening to you talk. Now, I want to ask a question about nuts. I, I was chatting with my wife yesterday about this, in fact, and I, I, I want to know the answer from you scientifically. I might have the numbers wrong, so forgive me, but let's just say now there's 30% protein in, I don't know, let's say almonds, right? And, you, and you, yeah. you have X amount of nuts in your hand. Can you match that with the same amount of meat and, and get yeah, well, the same the meat amount of protein? Oh, yeah, but it's much easier to get protein from animals than from any other source. Uh, if you want to get protein from, from, from plants, you have to eat an enormous number of calories, and that's the problem. You can get the protein, but by and large, it's an inferior protein. It's not quite the same as animal protein. The structure is not all. You don't get all the ideal amino acids that you need. That's the first problem, and it comes with carbohydrates. So to get that amount of, uh, that amount of protein, you've got to eat a lot more calories. And I've got... By the way, this is the book that people might like to read. Can you this swing it in a little out. bit? Other direction, other direction. Yeah. There we go. There we go, Sacred Cow. And this has just been released. And 
it gives you everything on that and I can even show you I'll just try and find the page as to how much protein how much calories you have to ingest to get protein and um, you might just ask the next question so I'll I'll find it here we are and that's not the best picture here we are Yes, calories needed to get 30 grams of protein and I'm not sure that you can read it. No, but I see protein at the, at the top. Yeah, the, and it says therefore the top one is to if you eat, you have to eat 1,600 calories of potato to get 30 grams of protein, whereas if it's codfish, it's 137 grams or uh, calories. 137 calories of codfish will give you 30 grams of protein. Let's look at soy, because soy milk you have to have 720 calories. Okay. So you have to have six times the number of calories if you're getting if you're drinking soy milk to get the same amount of protein as you would from 137 calories of fish. Sure. That's the so that's the problem. It's about seven times as many calories, and that's why many vegans vegetarians struggle with their weight because to get the protein that they require, they have to eat so many calories. Um, so yeah, so the, your your food intake is a hell of a intake lot more. Yeah, absolutely correct. Because mm. it's not nutrient-dense foods. Plants are not nutrient-dense foods. Now, there's another analogy which, which I found really appealing. You see, animals have the same structure of the cells that we have, but plants don't. So if you wanted to build your body, where would you look for the, the materials? Would you go, if you were building a car, would you go to the car spare dealers to get your car parts? Or would you go to the computer? Ah, all right. Here we go again. Oh, man. All right. Let's uh, wait for Tim to come back. Um, thanks, everybody, for your comments. Apologies for the gremlins today. It's just one of those days. Um, dextrose based sweeteners. No, Tim's already spoken about sweeteners before. Um, all right, Tim, you're back. You were, so, you're sorry, you were saying. <laughs> yeah, so I was saying, I was drawing this analogy. So humans, are, our cells are more like our animal cells. And therefore, if you're looking for animal cells, where would you, you the, the foods that you need? Would you rather go to an animal which has the same types of cells as you have, or would you go to a plant which has different cells? And someone drew this analogy. Imagine if you're building a car, and you look you near spare parts for your car. Do you go to the car dealer or do you go to the computer dealer? Well, obviously the computer dealer. Make, <laughs> yeah, you can't make a comp car out of computer parts. Yeah. And that's the, that's the issue. Yeah. All right. So we've got someone in the comments. He says that uh, he, um, he's not interested in fail vegan stories. He's interested in raw food. He is a raw food eater. So that's now not even cooking food as far as I know. Uh, he says uh, he's now 100%. That since doing that so do you think he's doing something right or is he just lucky no i think th there's no problem if you know if you got the right nutrients and that's fine uh, humans only started cooking you know some million years ago and it does make the food easier to digest and to get to to get into your body for example if you take a steak and it's raw and you have to chew it you'd spend hours chewing it that's the difference and you get so sick. when humans sorry you'd also get sick you won't get sick now, you won't get sick as long as it's healthy meat. 
the, the problem is the digestion of it and the chewing, chewing. So what humans did when they learned to cook, they could spend so much less time eating. Before that, they had to spend all day chewing on the stuff. Now they could do other mm. things. And that was, the, that was the big change. So no, there's nothing wrong with eating raw foods and not cooking them. All right. As long as they're healthy and they're not gonna, they don't carry bacteria in them. So we're jumping around a little bit, but I've got a couple more questions coming from the comments. Um, and I'm, I hope you don't mind. Um, no, Martin, sure. Martin says that he often hears the argument that fruit sugar is natural and therefore it's healthy. Now, I know you've mentioned this before, but let's, let's go down that road again. Yeah, no, fruit sugar is, it is better than sugar in the tea, that you use in the teaspoon and so on. Because it has fiber with it and it's not quite as dangerous. But fructose is a real problem. And fructose causes non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. You divert, convert it directly into fat in the liver. And a fatty liver is one of the main drivers of ill health. So by and large, sugar is a real problem. And it, fruit is slightly better, but it's still it's, it's a luxury and you don't eat too much fruit. You've also said that the fruit today is um, very artificial. Yeah, it's designed to be addictive, to, to be very sweet. Mm. Um, Amy in the comments says that she, um, I'm just trying to find her comment. She was having some, okay, I'll, I'll come back to her when I can find her comment. Let me just quickly go to um, Joseph is asking about empathy and ethics around meat. Now, that's, that's a whole different conversation, um, and it's a difficult one to have. Um, I mean, I've been to an abattoir, Tim, and it's not a nice place. No, of course not. Absolutely. Now, that I understand, but then, you know, that is another issue, and that's mm. not... The, the reality is humans evolved eating animals, and that's, that's the reality. We, yeah. we got here where we are by killing animals, and, and you can't get away from that. You must make it absolutely as ethical as you possibly can. But again, I refer to this book because this sacred mm. cow addresses all those issues and in a very, very general way. It doesn't, it's not specifically saying you absolutely have to believe this. She agrees with many of the points that, mm. that are raised about the ethical issues. I found Amy's comment. She says, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. That sounds pretty, pretty severe. She says, and I haven't really found a diet, quote unquote, that has worked for me until I've tried eating high fat and protein. Yeah, that's the banting diet. And uh, well, I, I would, you know, I would always propose that diet because it's less inflammatory and that that's why it's probably anti-cancer in a small way. It's, but we would mm. never say that the diet's going to prevent cancer. But if you want to, if you're being treated for cancer, there's no question that is the best way to go. People who are on this diet do much better when they're getting those very toxic therapies. And it's because your body's less inflamed if you're eating that type of diet. Well, someone says, yeah, all raw foods contain enzymes. When you, when you cook foods, 100% of the enzymes are destroyed and vast amounts of the nutrients are destroyed. Only the minerals remain largely intact. No, well, that's not true because the protein and the fats stay in. And if they didn't, we'd all be dead because we would, you can't just live off minerals. So anyone who was cooking their food would be dead from. Oh, and he's gone again. Anyone who's dead would be anyone who's cooking their food would be dead from. And that's where he ended. <laughs> all right, let's have a quick look at the comments. See if I can find one for Tim. Uh, Carpaccio, no, not that one. Cooking meat food is, no, not that one. Um, 
there seem there appears to be a contradiction between what Pufnok is saying and the twenty year China study. Yeah, he he already approached the China study. Um, Tim, you you were in the middle of your sentence saying that if people ate cooked food, uh, that they would be dead. Um, yeah, we'd be mal- we'd suffer from malnutrition if we weren't getting any protein or fat. But the point is, the, the, the person asking that question is correct, that it does destroy some things. Mm. And that's why some people believe that raw foods, eating raw foods is better. But as I've indicated, it's, it's more difficult to, to digest and eat raw foods than it is cooked foods. Yeah. Um, there are some comments about ethics and all that. I'm not going to go down that road because that's, that's not really a scientific conversation. That's a, a, it's, a, it's a very different conversation. It's more philosophical, I think. Um, we're yeah. just talking about the science, Tim. Um, all right, so I want to come back to before I go. There's a lot of questions, but before I come back to them, I want to ask you about. Sorry, is my, is my cable now? I heard I heard some feedback there. I hope every, is the sound yeah, okay on your side, Tim? Okay yeah. All right. Cool. Um, I want to ask you quickly now. If let's just pretend for a second that I wanted to be vegan. All right. Would I have to avoid fruit? Because because a vegan diet is extremely high in carbohydrates. Firstly. Yeah, no, you couldn't avoid fruit because that would be one of the one of the foods that you really find attractive. But once you move to too much carbs and too much sweetness, then you, you risk of becoming addicted to those high sugar foods. So let's make it quite clear that there are different vegan diets. There's, mm. You can eat chocolates and rice and potatoes and Coca-Cola, and that's a vegan diet. But that's, most that's vegans would healthy. say, no, that's not, you know, that's not, they'd recognize that. Mm. But the problem is many vegans don't. They say, you see, because I'm not eating meat, it's much better. The Coca-Cola is fine for me because it's not coming from animal produce. And that's the problem, that, that your choice of foods becomes quite limited and you have to be very cautious that you don't. It's it's complex to prepare those foods is difficult, and it becomes very easy just to slip back to this highly processed foods. Now the the so-called beyond beef, beyond meat burgers, they are the most processed foods you can find. They're terrible, and that that's that's the irony. And so, mm. so if you build your vegan diet on eating beyond meat and those sorts of things, then you're just eating this highly processed foods. And you're supporting an industry that, to me, is destructive of the, the earth. That, that's the other point. So they're, they're saying, you know, animals are destroying the planet. But the reality is it's this industrial diet that is mm. causing the, the destruction. As I indicated, drive out to Malmesbury. Yeah. And where are the wild animals there? They, they're gone. They're finished. They've, okay, they so- were once there and they're no longer there. Ruth is then asking, okay, so we're talking about extremes here. She's saying... Can't we have a middle ground, Tim? Like, what if you eat um, meat, I don't know, once or twice a week and have lots of veggies? What are your views on that? that, On that, Perfect. That sounds fantastic. You don't have to eat meat each day. Absolutely. So I quite agree with her. You can be perfectly healthy eating Mm. meat twice a week or three times a week. But you can't, in my opinion, or it's very improbable that you'll be healthy if you cut out all dairy, all eggs, all fish, all meat. If you cut them all out, you just need a touch of them every so often. And that's, in my view, the vegetarians who do well are the ones who cheat. And the majority of vegetarians <laughs> do cheat. But, <laughs> and, then, and then 
And then we have vegetarians say, oh, no, but I eat eggs. Well, then you're not a vegetarian. Or I eat eggs and dairy. Then you're not a vegetarian. You're an omnivore, which is like mm. the rest of us. And well, so I mean, let's, that, that's, let's, let's all agree that chicken is just salad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chicken isn't the best form of, of protein to eat. Yeah. Is, is fish quite a good form of protein? Unbelievable. If you, if you had to put number one, I'd put fish number one. Because it provides all the, the this fats that you need, which we don't really get fat. Getting the essential fats from meat is a little bit more difficult. Mm. But it's much easier from fish. So fish is number one. Yeah. Mm. When you talk about fish, though, I mean, are you referring literally to fish or are you referring to seafood in general? Yeah, seafood. Absolutely. Oysters are one of the most nutrient-dense oh, foods really? there is. And, yeah. and things like crayfish so and the, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're all fine. They're all very, very healthy for you. Yeah. Uh, I struggle with oysters. I don't, it's like, it's like eating snot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But just know how healthy they are. <laughs> <laughs> Someone asked earlier, can you survive purely, purely on meat? You can, you know, and I wouldn't have thought so, you know. I, I, on... Oh, he's gone again. I don't know what's going on. Okay, let's just wait for him to reappear. Um, Klaj, Klaj says, if you don't want to discuss ethics, then change the title to plant-based. This is a prime example of people not understanding the definition and therefore confusing those who are not yet educated. Uh, okay, I'll come to your comment. Um, sorry, Tim, you're back. So the answer is, uh, you know, a purely meat-based diet is deficient in vitamin C. So you... But the vitamin C can be found if you eat offal and if you eat meat which hasn't been properly cooked. So the Maasai do it, the Sami, mm. the Inuit all live on a predominantly uh, meat-based diet. And they do fine. They, in fact, they're incredibly healthy. So, so yes, you can do it. What about like 25% of India that's vegetarian? Yeah, well, they have one of the highest rates of diabetes and obesity in the world. And that's the problem. And they're a very unhealthy population because that's, and they, the the healthiest Indians are the ones who live in the north, the people living in the north who've always eaten more meat. Mm. And as you come south, they start to eat more wheat and more rice, and their health deteriorates. And that that's been known for a long time. And it's it's a real issue trying to turn around the the health of the Indian population because the diet is just inadequate. It's it is it's just too deficient in meat. Yeah, someone mentioned now, uh, probably joining a little bit late, but this person mentioned what you're saying is at odds with the China study. But the China study, I think, has been discredited. Absolutely. It was, it's an associational study. And associational mm. studies prove nothing. They can mm. give you in a direction. I would ask you to read Denise Minga, Denise Minga's review of the China study. And she shows that it actually shows the opposite. The evidence is that animal protein was protective. It wasn't causing the problems. Okay, so yes, a comment that's a little bit off topic, but he says, if you don't want to discuss the ethics, then you must change the title to plant-based. All right. Uh, I guess the term vegan then is loaded with uh, with sort of uh, religiousness, and I suppose I suppose that's a fair comment. I could say plant-based rather than vegan then. Um, okay, lots of lots of questions. Let's carry on, and I'll, I'll find a decent question. Um, so your argument, Tim, is that it, you don't have to eat meat every single day. You can eat it regularly. 
for those people who want to find some sort of middle ground, uh, we know that you are a lot more, uh, let's say, extreme, but that's because of your own family history. Absolutely. I have type 2 diabetes, and the, mm. the best way to treat type 2 diabetes is to eat very little plants, very few plants, and eat mainly animal produce, and, and that we now know. And, and so I probably wouldn't be around here if I was eating a plant-based diet. I would probably mm. have major complications with diabetes. Okay, so Jacqueline would like to know from you, Tim, um, the best types of protein um, generally to eat, uh, if, if possible. Well, they're animal-based, so it would be fish or meat. Those are definitely the two that I would that that are unquestionably the most powerful. You know, when I was a medical student, we used to call those class one proteins came from animal projects, and class two proteins came from plants. But then that was oh, you're not allowed to say that anymore because it's derogatory to the plant-based diet. But that's the reality. the The mm. really the best form of protein comes from animal sources. Because it's again, it's the cells that are cells, very similar cells that the animals have, and we we we're based on the same, the same design. So it's very likely that what the proteins they have in their bodies, are going to be what we need to build the proteins in our bodies. All right. Someone asked earlier, is there a link between meat and cancer? Tim, I've seen a lot of articles over the years about oh. this. That's a great question, and that's part of the. The World Health Organization is trying to eliminate meat production. You have to understand that there's a global movement to get rid of meat and to replace it with laboratory-based meat. And big people like Bill Gates are behind this. And they see huge opportunity because the, the return on that is enormous if you can make fake meat. Mm. But fortunately, the public isn't really buying in. So there's a global movement to get rid of meat production in the way it's always been done. And you have to understand that movement. So to get back to your question, I've forgotten the, the direction we were going in. Meat and cancer. Right. So the, the, this, this, that actually comes from the Seventh-day Adventists. If you look back at the history in the 1920s, a lady woke up one morning and she said meat causes cancer. And that became the main driver of the Seventh-day Adventist movement away from meat. It was one person's vision, in, and that then became policy of that religion. There's a major, there were six major articles in the Annals of Internal Medicine last year where they looked at every link, and they said there is no proven link. And at that specific moment, Tim left us. So let's wait for him to come back. Um, Diego, um, I'll get to your comment in, in a moment. Um, you can't troll anymore. All right. Um, okay. Yeah. It's Tim again. There was no proven link. That was where you left us. <laughs> yeah. So there were, there's, there's absolutely no proven link, but mm. where is the link? The link comes within sugar and carbohydrates and cancers. And that's, mm. that's got hidden completely hidden as they they wrote out sugar and heart disease they wrote out sugar and carbohydrates and cancers tim someone said to me the other day that uh cancer likes sugar is that true absolutely when we diagnose cancer and the extent of cancer in an individual what do they do they give you a tracer a glucose tracer and it is concentrated by the cancer cells 
So the doctors can say, see, here is all your cancer because it's lit up because these cells are absorbing glucose. Yeah, that's called the Warburg effect. And they, that cancer cells are not, don't have the normal metabolism of fats. They, by and large, not all, but by and large, mm. they prefer glucose. And it's the same with COVID-19. COVID-19 loves glucose. It just loves glucose. And if you've got a high glucose, your risk of a fatal outcome is much increased. COVID-19, well, we won't go down that road, but I think, I think my views are fairly established on this. I, th- I, think, I, think, I think politicians love COVID-19 more than anything else, Tim. Um, yeah. D- Diego, Diego must have joined us late, but let me read his comment. He says, it sounds like Tim is bought off by the agroin indus- uh, what, agro-industry or agri-industry. So, w- but why would you say that? You see, why would you say that? Why don't you just listen to the facts that I presented? Mm and read the books, as mm. I do. You know, I read the literature, and I read literally five or six articles a day, minimum, on new articles. Mm. I write the books. I wrote the law of nutrition. I went to court for four years, 28 days, to defend my position scientifically, and won the case 13-0. The other people who were promoting a different diet had no answers to what we said. So, you know, why try to demonize me? Why don't we just look at the facts? I'm, I've not been bought by anyone. I invest mm. all my spare cash in, in this argument. Yeah, Tim. But, I mean, I think we've, we've come to realize that this is what happens. When you are uh, not part of the establishment, as it were, um, you get demonized. I know all about it as well. Um, yeah. But it's sad that you've got to keep repeating this stuff that just because you're having this this particular angle you're not bought by anybody um no. <laughs> yes an interesting question I, I i don't know i don't know how to th- how to think about this but someone saying laboratory meat which you mentioned a moment ago uh, would that be a form of processed meat <laughs> no not at all it's made completely to to taste like meat but it has none of the nutrients in meat so it's, it's just a fake taste and, and mouth taste. So you think it's meat, but it's got mm. nothing to do with meat. It doesn't have the protein fat structure mm. that meat has. It doesn't have the mineral content. It's just go and buy a fake burger or a, what they call it and look at the constituents. There are about mm. 50 names and that's all processed foods. It's, it's too disastrous. Uh, some people want to point out the fact that you pushed grains and carbs for 20 years, Tim. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I wasn't being paid by them, but I was being paid by the people who were selling sugar to athletes. And then that, that's one of my arguments. You know, I used to believe that and I saw it was wrong and I changed. Mm. And there are not many scientists in the world who admit that they were wrong. And I'm one of them. And I was taken to court for changing my mind, essentially. Sure. And I stood How up and fought it. How dare you change your mind? <laughs> so... So, you know, why would I change my mind and go through all this trouble except I believed it to be true? Um, speaking about processed meat, um, you know, you often hear arguments that a lot of our meat today is uh, full of um, uh, hormones and all kinds of other things. And I know, I know that you'll say that free range and all that, okay, right? But that's quite expensive. Uh, I, I go hunting once a year. Um, I mean, that's the best that you can get as free range goes. Um, but the majority of people don't have that, uh, sh- shall we say, privilege. Yeah, that's why we developed the Eat Better South Africa campaign, where we showed that if you eat offal, 
and you eat liver, and if you eat eggs and milk and tinned fish, you can eat the diet that we prescribe. And now it doesn't sound fantastic, but if you've got diabetes and you're about to lose your leg mm. and you can afford that food, well, that's better eating that than eating chips and Pepsi-Cola and Coca-Cola and, and, and uh, Hershey bars and Mars bars and so on, mm. which, is, which is very expensive. No one... No one t- oh, there's, there goes Tim again. Oh, I wonder what's... What's going on? Okay, let me quickly find some comments. Uh, if you've got a question, please ask it now while I'm reading. Throw, throw in your question now. Um, I don't know. Just type in their question for Tim or something because it makes it easier for me to see what's going on. Uh, so I, I was just quickly asking people to throw their questions while you were coming back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but carry on. Okay, so so what I said was that the the cost of these other foods, these the the Coca Colas and the chips and the sweets, that's a huge that's hugely expensive, mm. and people don't count that. Oh, that's not food, but if you cut all that out of your diet, and you'll see that you save a lot of money, and then you can invest it in eating meat properly. Okay, you know meat. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you, Tim. No, I just said. You know, a lot of the people in America will say you can buy cheap meat and that and meat is a lot cheaper than you actually think. I don't think it applies in this country, though. Uh, okay, so Amy wants to know about sea kelp. She's asked me five times to ask you. So let me ask you your thoughts on sea kelp. Hugely beneficial. It contains iodine, which we miss. And, you know, traditional societies living up in the mountains like in South America used to Every once a year, they would go down to the sea and they would collect things like kelp and other seafoods. So kelp is is remarkably healthy, yeah. I don't think you should eat 100% kelp and avoid everything else, but to supplement your diet with kelp, no problem. Well, what does this mean, sea kelp? Do you physically go and find it or do you actually just buy it from the store? I think you can buy it from the store. I know Woolworths have have special kelp uh, chips that you can eat. Tim, eating healthy doesn't have to be gross. (laughs) <laughs> no, they taste quite nice when they're made into. I mean, chips. I'm, I, I, I enjoy my my bacon and eggs. To be honest. Yeah, and and I mean, I eat a lot of steak, and I, I just there's nothing more desirable for me than fish and and steak. I, just quickly, if eggs, I were to buy you a steak, how how do you have your steak? Rare. M- medium rare, but make sure it's wagyu beef. There, there, there's my advert for wagyu. Wagyu. All right. Okay. <laughs> You know, well, anything else is too middle class, Tim. <laughs> um, no, it's a, no, the point is I eat so little that mm. when, when I eat, I want to make sure that um, I'm eating the most tasty foods. I want to get to Martin's question. But before I get to his question, I want to ask you something that, um, that I've often wondered. I remember many years ago, uh, there was a... Uh, on 702, back when, when it was still a decent radio station, uh, there was Professor Harry Seftel often spoke out against supplements. Um, I'm not a fan of supplements. I don't take any. Um, but everyone always talks about supplements and taking extra vitamin C and this supplement and this, this what, multivitamin, all this kind of stuff. What are your views on that? So, listen, Harry Seftel was one of my tutors. He was a, he was a giant. But, and he, but he was not onto low carbs, and he didn't understand obesity, you know, because he was absolutely lean. 
He right. was lean as string bean. <laughs> and if you're a string bean all your life, you never understand obesity. You've got to mm. be obese first to understand it. But he was a giant in medicine, and I just loved him. I must tell you, as an aside, once we went to East London and we gave lectures, every hour we would each give a half hour lecture, and then they would bring in a new group of matric students. And so we gave the same lecture probably eight times. And I mean, I laughed. And the eighth one, I laughed as much as when I did when I heard him. He was absolutely a giant. <laughs> supplements, in my view, there's a role for supplements. And I wouldn't have said that. And the reality is, as a medical doctor, if you look at the literature, it doesn't say that supplements help. But I'm not convinced that, uh, that even the very best diet, you can't improve on it. Because the foods that we're eating today, the the mineral content has gone right down. Magnesium is much lower than it used to be. There's definitely a problem with vitamin D. We're too much inside in these days, and we're not designed for being inside Particularly all the, time. the last six months, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. And so vitamin D, I think, you know, everyone should, should supplement with vitamin D. I'm in discussions with colleagues who, who make a living out of supplements. Uh, I'll acknowledge that. But they really understand, and they can make a very good argument for many different supplements. So so I think the, the, the question about supplements is still open. Okay. Know, and and All right. in my view in my view there's a role certainly for vitamin D and vitamin K too. What about C? I think that I could well yeah, possibly, but not too much. Possibly vitamin C as well. Um but but again, you know, it's no point taking supplements and eating this rubbish diet. Right. You've got to eat the good diet. And then add the mm. supplements. And then we might see benefits. I'm going to hold you for a few minutes longer because we've had a few disruptions. Um, yeah, sure. Mind. Um, but uh, Avril, Avril's coming in now with the, with, the, with the heavy hitting. Oh, has Tim gone again? All right, let's quickly get Tim back before I take Avril's, Avril's question. Okay, quickly, chaps, just at the beginning, say question for Tim, just so that I can see it because I can't read all the comments I'm a guy. I can't multitask. Um, okay, so I'm going to read Avril's comment. Uh, right. Okay, Tim is back, and I'm. I was just about to say, Tim, Avril is coming in yeah. with the with the heavy with the heavy hitters now. Here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. Tim, what can I drink uh, with with my brandy if I cut out Coke? Um, and, and also, and also, does Coke make you fatter than? Uh, sorry, does Coke? Li- d- sorry, does Diet Coke make you fatter than normal Coke? <laughs> <laughs> so the Coke's going to have to go and replace with water or something that's got is calorie free. But I think we've made this point frequently that that our big problem today is that we're addicted to sugar and the sweet taste. And if you really want to control your weight, you have to get rid of that sweet desire for sweetness. So the sweeteners don't help. They also cause you to keep searching for the sweetness. And they may have metabolic effects, which are not all that different from actually eating the sugar itself. So, sorry, got to get rid of the sweet taste. Replace it with brandy alone. And ice blocks. Um, did you see, <laughs> just off topic, did you see uh, <laughs> Trump made this hilarious tweet two weeks ago? And I've got to say, I really do enjoy his, his tweets. He said, he's, he says, he's, why is it? Why is it that he always sees fat women drinking Diet Coke? <laughs> it's an actual tweet. <laughs> yeah, and but it, but it, but the the correction is that they they're searching for the sugary taste. Yeah, and they've got to get rid of that. 
before you can lose the weight. Um, okay, here we go. We've got some more questions. Uh, does Okay, yes, a good one. From Audrey. She wants to know, does meat promote brain health? Well, I think fat does. And so that, you know, most meat contains about 3 to 5% fat. So that those fats will be helping your brain develop. And let's contrast that with if you're spiking your glucose and insulin with carbohydrates, eventually your brain becomes insulin resistant and you can't metabolize the glucose effectively. Mm. And we almost certain that leads to dementias. So it is, it is healthy in the sense that it replaces something that you don't need, the high carbohydrate diet, which is definitely brain damaging. All right, just a double-barreled question. A couple of people are asking about pork, but I think we know the answer to that. Uh, bacon, for example, is, is, quite, is, is generally something that you recommend. But yes, the thing, if you have a pork chop, it's very low in fat. Uh, I'm surprised. I would have thought it's quite high in fat. Um, Oh, maybe it's just the cuts. Because pigs are pigs are, are fatty animals, yeah. But you obviously recommend uh, pork. Yeah, no, I mean I'm not Jewish, so that I'm quite happy to eat pork. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean you can get kosher pork. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and then let's let's double barrel that with keto. Lots of questions about that. Yeah. And what does it mean? Why? What are ketones? Okay, so ketones are produced in the liver when your body has low insulin levels. So insulin inhibit fat being released from the fat cells. And if you've got a high insulin, so the fat's not coming, coming from the fat cells, but if you've got low insulin, fat is released from the fat cells, comes to the liver, and they convert it into mm. ketones in part as a control mechanism. But those ketones are then used by the brain and the muscles and the heart and many tissues as a preferred fuel. Mm. There's a paper out this week showing reversal of heart failure with a ketogenic diet and supplementary ketones. There's a paper out a few weeks ago showing improved brain function and brain health with ketone supplementation. Okay. So they, they ketones have, they have enormous value and they're also anti-inflammatory. But it's quite controversial. And that's because you... No, it's not at all. It, 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 of course it's controversial because it's low-carb diets. But the evidence is absolutely clear and growing that ketones are make us much healthier. But now ketones, sorry, Tim, you, again, just keep in mind that I'm not a scientist, but do ketones and glucose not compete? Uh, well, they don't compete. Glucose is the dominant force. So glucose will be used. But once glucose drops in the bloodstream, you see the brain and the heart will use what's available in the bloodstream. And most of us have high glucose and low ketones. Mm. And the only time you reverse that or get the ketones up is when you go on the low-carbohydrate diet and you really severely restrict carbohydrates. And then the ketones go up and then they become the preferred fuel. So the ketones are a prefer preferred fuel, but they never get the chance to be used properly. Yeah, so as you know, my wife's a doctor. And so after a conversation I had with you previously about ketones, she went back through some of her, her books to see um, if the brain can function just off ketones. No, it can't. You do need a certain small amount of glue. Ugh. Small amount of glue. Small amount of glue. Your brain needs a small amount of glue. <laughs> Your brain needs a small amount of glue. Okay. Last few questions, folks. Bring them in. Uh, bring them in. I'll, uh, I'll try and quickly star a couple here if I can. Um, 
uh, so, so Tim, so you 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 died at the point you said I, your brain your brain needs a small amount of glue. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so what happens? There are cells. There are axons in in the mm. brain which are tiny cells, and they don't have enough space to use the machinery to burn fats or mm. glucose. Sorry, they can only burn glucose. Glucose can be used very quickly and doesn't need the machinery that fats do require and ketones require. So absolutely, there are certain cells that require glucose. However, the glucose can come from your liver. Your liver can produce more than enough glucose to keep your brain functioning, even if you're not ingesting any glucose. And that's where the, mis the error comes. Right. You do not right. need one gram of glucose to support your brain from ingesting it. Oh, you can right. get it from your liver. So your body, will, your body will produce it. Yeah. And ketones probably are the preferred fuel by the brain. And when, when people have been starved, there's one study where they starved people for six months. And then they gave, the ins gave insulin and drove the glucose to mm. almost nothing. And these people didn't have any symptoms because they were burning ketones. They didn't even notice that their blood glucose had dropped. The brain was still functioning perfectly. Tim, yes, a great question. Um, I, I love cheese. So this person's asking, what cheeses should one consume? Uh, or or let, let's let's re, let's change the structure of that question. Are they are they bad cheeses? Um, probably the highly processed cheeses are probably not the best. But by and large, cheese has been shown to be associated with reduced diseases, particularly heart disease. So they're very good studies showing that. I'm not sure that they've isolated this cheese is better than that cheese. I think cheese as a group is a very healthy food food group to eat. Um, so like having a bit of cheddar every day is fine? Absolutely. Absolutely healthy, yeah. That's actually a wonderful question. I've never thought about different... I know you get very sweet cheeses. Now, here's the thing. So I, I, whenever I go to the shop, Tim Lok sits on my shoulder here. And, <laughs> Good. <laughs> and, I, and I often think about how, how sweet is this? And so the rule of thumb now that I work with that the sweeter it is, clearly the more sugary it is. Is that is that also a very good rule of thumb? Yeah, that's correct. But cheese doesn't have sugar in it. It doesn't have glucose unless there's some process mm. where they add glucose. I'm, and I'm sure there are processed mm. cheeses where they do add sugar. But milk is full of carbohydrates, but cheese isn't. That, that's the difference. So the process of making cheese takes out the the sugar from it all right so someone called joseph um is is causing some problems in the comments but let's just quickly deal with his one comment he's saying meat is murder now that's a that's a, a comment that i've heard lots i i get i get the fact that people don't like seeing animals being slaughtered tim um but animals slaughter one another and taking i mean i if i go hunting and i and i put a bullet in a in an impala it's instant and it doesn't know what happened. But if that impala gets taken down by predators, it's a pretty awful way to die. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've seen a, a group of wild dogs in with uh, five meters from me take out an impala, and it's gruesome. It's really gruesome. And I've seen wild dogs eat an, uh, a warthog, and that was mm. even worse. So, no, it is gruesome. But, I mean, the reality is that humans became humans by eating meat. And if those... If there hadn't been grass and there hadn't been mm. herbivores on the planet, we wouldn't be where we are. That's that's the reality. All right, Avril's got another question for you. Um, if you 
<laughs> Sorry, but this is a funny one. <laughs> if you eat too much garlic, will it kill you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure you'd you'd stop long before it kills you. <laughs> well, it will kill everybody in your presence. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go to one or, last, one or two more questions, um, Tim. Um, okay, Julia. Let's read hers. Julia Andreas. Uh, Tim Noakes, you have been absolutely detrimental to the environment, the animals, and people's health. I hope you are aware of your absurd diet, which is completely unnecessary and unethical. Well, thank you very much, Avril. For the, thank you very uh, much for your opinion. Julia. Julia. Yeah. Thanks, Julia. Um, have you got any evidence for that? Um, I know that we have two million people in South Africa who benefited from the diet. They've reversed their type 2 diabetes. They haven't had to to go through that terrible disease, which is type 2 diabetes. I watched my dad die from it. Just let me remind you what happens when you get diabetes. Firstly, you use your limbs, so therefore you're bedridden. You get renal failure, so you have to go to hospital where you're treated. Oh, no. Let's, let's just get Tim back quickly. We'll have to get Tim back. Let's just get Tim back. Um, uh, uh, are there any more vegans or serial killers? Oh, uh, just repeat, Tim, what you're talking about when people die from diabetes. Yeah. So I say I know that in in mm. South Africa that we have two million people who subscribe to this diet, and those two two million people will not be getting type two diabetes and. And the lady who asked the question really needs to go to a hospital and just see what diabetes does to people. And I just hope that none of her family ever developed type 2 diabetes, like my father died from type 2 diabetes. It is the worst disease, and it's completely preventable. And it's caused by the dietary advice that we're giving people. So the problem with type 2 diabetes is that you lose, you become blind, you lose your kidney function, so you have to go to hospital to be dialyzed for three hours or six hours a day three times a week um you lose your limbs and once you lose your limbs you become bedridden you need someone to take you to the bathroom etc you eventually as i've said you lose your eyesight you have strokes you can't speak my dad died he couldn't speak to me wow so it is the worst disease and that disease is caused by the dietary guidelines that we have so i'm very proud that i've saved millions of people from that end and people need to understand that that's what this diet does. And if you continue to say things like that, that I'm killing people, you, you're, you're targeting the wrong person. I'm not the killer. The killer is the industry that is promoting a diet for which humans are not adapted. And that is causing the obesity diabetes epidemic. And please just go to the local uh, supermarket and see the size of South Africans. And those people will be developing diabetes in due course. And they will go that route that I've said. And people need to start speaking up against that rather than trying to demonize me. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, there you go. You said it. Let me, let me give you one more question. Um, um, is there science? Etienne wants to know if there's science between low carbohydrates he says ketogenic, but let's just talk about low carbs um, and the treatment of epilepsy. 
Yeah, they, now that's one thing that, that the low-carb diet was used to treat epilepsy at Johns Hopkins Hospital in the 1930s. And in a sense, that's where it all came from because it had medical backing. There was one condition mm. for which we, there was clear evidence that the ketogenic diet could treat epilepsy better than medication. And that stays today. That evidence is absolute. Yes. Mm. Epilepsy is the one condition where we can say the ketogenic diet is very effective, not in everyone, but in the majority of patients. They do not necessarily get, completely get rid of their medications, but they can reduce their medication risk use. And some people don't need to use medication anymore. So the evidence is absolutely 100% strong. Well, let's just end on a positive note. Beth says, yeah, Prof Noakes, you have saved my husband from the same fate as my dad and your brother-in-law. Os- sorry, help, help me here. Os- uh, us- esophageal cancer. What is that? Esophageal, esophageal cancer. Esophageal yeah, cancer. Sorry right. about that. I sound like an idiot. Yeah. Um, to chronic heartburn. So your advice has helped. Yeah, so that's called uh, gastro esophageal reflux disease, G-E-R-D. And it happens because you eat a high-carbohydrate diet, you generate methane in the upper bowel, and then when you go and lie down at night, the methane's got to come up, so it comes to your mouth, and it takes acid from the stomach into the esophagus. And the esophagus is not designed to cope with a high-acid diet, uh, acid load. And the cells, with time, they they become precancerous, and then they become cancerous. And it's a very bad cancer because it's in a bad site. You can't operate on it. So, yes, the GERD is completely reversible with a, a high-protein, high-fat yeah. diet and low carbs. And anecdotally speaking, Tim, I can, I can confirm that. If I go for even just a week on extremely low carbs and no sugar, um, I, I mean, I suffer from, from heartburn like, a lot. And, and mm. I, that I, can redu- I can reduce it dramatically. Yeah, and there are scientific studies showing that, but the doctors are not being taught that, unfortunately. And this is one of the commonest treatment, one of the commonest reasons why people go to doctors is for the treatment of GERD. Mm. And no one's asking, so what are you eating? Which should be the first question. So I did say that would be the last comment. So even though there are more, we'll keep that as the last one. You'll have to come back uh, because this stream was interrupted <laughs> way too many times um, due to technical glitches. Let's hope the next one will be smoother. Um, as always, Tim, it's a great pleasure, and uh, uh, keep keep the fight going. Thanks, Jim. Lovely, and you too. <laughs> yeah, have a great day. Thanks, everybody. Ciao, bye.